Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Saturday, September 21st. This is episode 97, and I am Tony. I'm Dennis. Why are, we, why are we recording on Saturday? We're recording on Saturday because I'm leaving to go to Chicago for a work thing tomorrow morning. Oh. Way earlier than intended. I misunderstood when I got my flight information uh, from the person who set everything up, and I thought my flight left Kansas City at like 10 in the morning. No, 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 no. My flight arrives in Chicago oh. at 10 in the morning. So I'm leaving even earlier than I had originally intended. But that's okay. I'll be awake anyway. I wake up at 4 a.m. Right. Well, without I, an alarm. It's so not a it's long not like flight. So I yeah. figured it, it must not be too, too accelerated. Maybe, I don't know, 90 minutes accelerated for yours when you. Well, no, I don't know when no, you're. It's like an, yeah, it's like an hour and twenty minutes. Hmm. I th- well, no, I thought I was leaving Kansas City at ten. Right. So instead of needing to be up, so instead of needing to be up at the airport early enough so we can leave, uh, so I could leave at ten, I have to be up at the airport early enough so I can leave at like eight fifty or eight right, right. or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Well, that's too bad, but maybe you'll be able to get some pinball in then. I've already got a plan in place. Uh. I finalized the plan. Okay, finalized is a strong word because that implies that there's more planning than going on than me going, you know what? I think I can probably be there by like seven or eight, but I'm planning on Monday night hitting Logan and I should be there sometime between seven and eight. That's the plan. Okay. Is that what's, is that what's going to actually happen? Yep. Yep. Let's see exactly what happens. We'll see. I'm sure it'll be perfectly what happens. Yeah. Cause absolutely nothing ever goes wrong. No. No, now that you're flying in early, everything's going to be great. Yeah, now that I'm flying in early on Sunday. See, because the way, the way I had things planned initially, I'd be landing just, I'd land, and by the time I got to the hotel and everything, I could check in. And now I'm not going to No, you're going to have to keep your bag around till yeah. like three. Yeah, I'm going to have to keep my bag around for like five hours. So. <laughs> yeah. That kind of stinks. Yeah. So instead of going straight to the hotel, maybe I'll just go to the convention center and get my badge and everything. Yeah. That kills some time. Yeah. That'll, That'll kill ten minutes. <laughs> right, right. But then I can walk to the hotel because yes. it's a 45-minute walk. Oh, okay. It's a 45-minute walk or a – what was the thing? It was a 45-minute walk, 25 minutes on public transportation, six minutes in car. So – Okay. Hmm. Maybe there must be like an interstate route or something that you could have taken with the car. Yeah. So it sounds. It, it, it's like well, forty-five minute walks, nothing for you though. So no, I do it as long as it's not day. raining. <laughs> That's the thing. You might need to get a convention-provided umbrella. Oh, I was just going to take mine. Can oh. I take an umbrella on an airplane? You can. Okay. I believe. Hopefully. Check, I've got one check of those, the guide. I've got one of those auto-deploying umbrellas where you hit the button and it goes... <laughs> I might have one of those sword umbrellas. I don't think that's allowed. I don't have one of those. Like I said, mine's mine's real short, but when I hit the button, it like pops out mm. and opens up and it does everything. Yeah, I need to buy a real umbrella. I, I have a little one. I was actually gifted one from an environmental association when I did a presentation years ago, and I keep that in my work bag. Mm-hmm. But it's really small, so if there's any sort of wind, it's t- terrible. It's really... Just almost, it feels almost like a novelty umbrella. But Mine's not bad. It's a little one, but it's 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 good just for one person. Mm. I've also, I, I mean, I always keep one in the trunk of my car that's like four foot across. It's huge. It's like a golf umbrella, but 
Wow. Maybe that's, it is a golf umbrella. That's, that's not going to be real good to take on the airplane. No. No, I worry about the overhead bin at that point. Yeah. I could do the whole uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade thing, Sean Connery, and have it tied to the bag and walk around. And Are you going to go to the Dead it? Flip studio? Are you going to star on Twitch with the Jack Danger? No. No. I'm not. Who knows if he's even there? Do we? Yeah. I, I'm literally. What my, about Ken Cromwell and Bill Webb of Special Win Lit? They're in Chicago area. I haven't talked to them either. Yeah. Well, they stream a lot on Mondays. So. I know. I thought they had that big, their big special, their big special, because I just saw the post on Facebook with their new, hey, sue us to oblivion intro for their Monday night. <laughs> oh, Zach's intro. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I was really good when I saw that on the, uh, on the air this week. I did not. Go in, launch into a lecture about how you can't take the song, <laughs> even if you change the key, <laughs> which I don't know if they did. It's like, technically, we'll, we'll just see if they, you know, I have no idea how aggressive the NFL is on trying to hunt that stuff down or not. Yeah, considering the people who've been sued out of existence for hosting Super Bowl parties, I'm sure they're not litigious at all. <laughs> well, here's my thing. As long as it just lives on Twitch and doesn't get exported to YouTube where they have those auto music crawl things that do the searching, right. they might yeah. they might slip under the radar. I watched it on YouTube this morning. Oh, well, then, I don't know. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> they, were on, they were on stream last night with Zach. Zach was in town. Ooh. I guess dropping something off. Yeah, the stream was less good with Zach instead well, of Steve Beatty. He wasn't available. But because Zach told me, you should watch, we're going to all stream. And I asked when. And he said an hour. Two hours later, it still hadn't started. And I thought that he gave up. I thought he was like at his house trying to set up a rig and probably didn't know how to turn on a camera. That's not all right. So I was like, okay, well, that's fine. And then, no, next thing I knew, it was actually on, and they were playing Jurassic Park Ellie. We looked fun. Jurassic Park is fun. Yeah, but we haven't played the Ellie. No. Typically, the Ellie's aren't too much worse than the pros. Yeah, I've just been curious about how the raptor pit is with that one, and, of course, the uh, T-Rex flinging the ball around that looked pretty cool they seemed to have trouble with the t-rex grabbing the ball they kept thinking that maybe it wasn't aligned quite right that they needed to make an adjustment but mm-hmm. but they apparently just started streaming as soon as they finally got the game set up that's why it was so delayed they were unboxing the game outside at night like you, seems, like you do like you do like you do Zach was, I, Zach was probably late. He's I, always late when I always unbox my podcast. games in the middle of the street, yep. personally. I know. At 2 a.m. It's your way. I just throw some road flares around. <laughs> your neighbors are up out anyway during then. So. That's true. They are. Well, other than dealing with uh, a lot of work suckage, I have been playing Plants vs. Zombies in Battle for Neighborville. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I figured you would be. Yeah, my sister loves the third-person shooter Plants vs. Zombie games. And so she was playing that one and then she mentioned, well, Dennis, if you get it, there, it's, there's like a discount if you get it within the next two days. And I said, uh, no, I, I mean, it can be a birthday present. And she's like, well, because of the discount, if it's a birthday present, you're getting it now. And I said, okay. So, so she gifted it to me. I played with her once, uh, last week and then I played by myself, uh, a bit yesterday through a couple of matches. It's the greatest game ever. 
No, not the greatest game ever, but I remember how some of the plants work. So I knew how to play it and I won half my fights. So. Oh, that's good. So I was like, I did. Okay. Do you have your Lego Bastion skin yet? I do have Lego yeah, Bastion. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Unfortunately, because usually on Mondays is when I start working on the uh, the nine wins in mm-hmm. arcade mode for the loot crate. Uh, we did that as we usually do, me and Mike. And then the Bastion thing came out on Tuesday. So we had, we did terrible on Monday. We'd only won four games by the, before we stopped playing. And so I had to do another four wins on top of my nine wins, which is more than I normally play Overwatch in a week. Right. It all worked out. And, but I have not played as Lego Bastion yet. I've just, I did. I equipped the skin and then I quit. Yep. I did because I was playing Mr. Heroes yesterday. Oh, yeah. And I, and I had the, the, Standard lame bastion play of the game where even you have to down talk yourself because it's like, wow, that was a terrible play of the game. I know I got a quad kill, but I literally didn't. I was just aiming in a general area and they all ran through the stream of my fire. <laughs> no, I had a, I, I think I was doing some ladder play, uh, for placements and competitive. And I, I think I had a play of the game as I think it was when I was going as Reaper. Uh, and I was like, yep, I've, it wasn't a glorious play or anything, but I was like, yeah, as hard as I carried at that part, I knew it would be, it should be mine unless the other team had a really good moment, but it all worked out. Speaking of working out, we have, uh, we have to flex on a lot of topics. We've even got the tabletop topic. The tabletop back. topic is back. Da, 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 da. So we're already, we've, we've been blathering on for like 10 minutes. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump right in. We'll do tabletop as our final segment. Right. Since it's in our, our addendum. So we'll start with pinball. We have a few pinball topics. Um, and I think the obvious one to start with is Stern Pinball's reveal of Elvira, House of Horrors. Now, originally, as is often the case with Stern Pinball games, the photos leaked of the play field, the cabinet, and the back box. Since then... It's been formally announced. I have a link in the show notes to the IGN article, which I'm assuming you've probably seen the IGN yes. article, Tony. Um, and there have been a couple of trailer videos, I believe, at least I've one watched. of which is linked off of the IGN site, so I'm not relinking it. People I've watched can. a couple of them. So that shows a little bit of the of the game in a, in a sort of a teaser fashion. Deadflip does have a gameplay reveal stream scheduled. That's to happen on t- September 25th, 2019, at 7 p.m. Central. So if anyone... Wants to see that, go on Twitch and check check Deadflip out at that time. And I'm sure they'll do their usual where there's a walkthrough on how the rules Probably, are and they'll have everybody right. there, and it'll be impressive. But So here are the bullet points about the game. This is not a cornerstone title, so it's not the pro-premium LE model. This is going to come in a, a, a premium flavor, which has an MSRP of $8,000. They'll make 400 LEs. And those have an MSRP of $9,600. And then there are 50 what they're now calling signature editions. This is fairly mimicking the Batman 66 Super LE. Right. Um, and no listed MSRP with that. I had heard that Cassandra Peterson, who plays Elvira, was selling those through her website or through her fang club news group or yeah. fan club, basically. So 50 of those. Uh, it's a Dennis Nordman design. He's currently employed with Deep Root, but he did this on contract with Stern quite a while ago. We heard about it at Texas Pinball Festival 2017 yeah. when Cassandra was at that show. They mentioned it in the panel. And uh, Lyman Sheets, who did the Batman 66 code, uh, is on the code for this game. Uh, Feature-wise, 
the things that really stood out to me were it has a house that's got three different entrances on it. And it's got a spinning uh, turret on the top, which uh, conveys conveys some stuff that's going on in game. So there's a practical purpose to the symbols that are on it. Uh, there is a crate shot, which is very similar to Scared Stiff, except this time it feeds off of the left ramp. There is a deadhead uh, bash toy. It's a crypt. Um, and there's a hole underneath it that apparently connects to other parts of the playfield via a subway. So it's game with a subway. We don't see that a whole lot from Stern. Uh, there are a number of uh, campy films that are featured, kind of like what would have been on a oh, yeah. show. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch are, of yeah, them. Yeah, incorporated. Yeah, there's quite a bit. And then Elvira did not just custom callouts for the game, but she also recorded some custom video, video see, clips. that's really impressive. Yeah, and they, the IGN article noted that this, that this was a first in pinball. And to my knowledge, yes, it is. Yeah. There's actual live action recording for just a pinball screen. I think so. So, uh, what are your thoughts? It's hard to have thoughts until we really see a lot yeah. of gameplay. From from the little bit I've looked, some of the stuff, it looks interesting. In the IGN article, they give a list of all of the B-movies that are in there, which includes some serious classics of the B-genre. But it also uh, mentions that there's stuff on the play field pertaining to all of those. So I'm not sure. I don't know if we've heard, or at least I've not seen is the references on the play fields the only things we get from those movies, or is there going to be more? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. That's to me. That's really cool. Yeah i I very vaguely remember as a child watching the Elvira uh, horror hosting shows where she would go and we you'd see the classic uh, really B tier style mm-hmm. uh, movies and such. So. That sort of integration, I think, in a home setting would be really cool. I don't know if it would be very good on a location setting. Uh, See, the thing is, because the, it, uh, could you hear it? You know, right? Um, and I said the thing is, is I've actually seen a lot of these B tier movies, but none of them were on Elvira's stuff mm. because a lot of these are MST3K movies. Ah, now that'd be an interesting theme. That would be a good theme. Mm. I don't see how it would work, but it would be awesome. Because, I mean, they've got some of the classic. They got uh, Mano's Hand of Fate, The Killer Shrews, The Wasp Woman, Jesse James Meets Frankenstein's Daughter. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. That's a personal favorite. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I talked a little bit about this last week when we saw the leaked photos on the This Week in Pinball podcast. That Lyman is on code makes me think this ultimately be, will be a very balanced game. Though I obviously, until we see what Deadflip shows, I have no idea how far along it is. I have read, this is not substantiated, I've read a claim that Lyman has been working on this game for a year. So if that's the Impressive. case, I imagine the code will be fairly mature. Well, and from everything we've heard in the past, this game was done and ready to launch a while ago. Yes, yes. And it just got pushed. Yeah. I am not impressed by the layout. I don't hate the layout, but it is the fanniest of fan layouts. Mm -hmm. It is almost a prototypical Stern in in the stereotype sense. And because of that... Given that this is not a cornerstone, I don't, I thought that was weird. 
Like this seems like a layout that you could have safely used for any theme that you wanted. And the toys and mechs, I think, are going to be what make the game. Because I don't think the geometry does. It's I need to be careful because people yeah. love to shoot fan layouts, but there are so many choices available at the pro level for fan geometry. From we've got Guardians of the Galaxy as a fan. You've got Monsters as a fan. A lot of what the games lately that John Borg has been putting out have been fan layouts. And given that, I just don't know. Like, Batman 66 geometry is really unique. So I just sort of was surprised, I suppose, would be the way to describe it. Uh, when I look at the layout, I didn't see Nordman in the layout. It reminded me more of, of John Borg. And yeah. I just thought we would see something a little more... It, the way the toys work is where I think all that strength is is being applied in terms of his design philosophy. I was just, uh, I thought that, I just think the layout's surprisingly safe for a niche title anyway. Right. Why, why go with such a safe layout? I don't know. And see, I, I don't know. I My two favorite games of all time, hmm? Attack from Mars and Medieval Madness, and both of them are pretty prototypical yeah, they're fans, but okay. So, so, are you, so that, I mean, that's saying so that, are that, you excited that Dennis? Oh, let me be more pointed than so. Are you excited that Dennis Nordman has channeled Brian Eddy and made his layout? No, I'm not excited about about it. I'm just saying it's possible to have a layout like that that is a good game. Oh, there are lots. Of, I fans. There are lots of really fun fan games. One of my uh, favorite. I mean, I really like Attack from Mars a lot. Um, it's it's a fan. Lord of the Rings is a fan. There are there are a lot of really good fan layout games, but we also get fan layouts every year, and we already had one this year. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Because Monsters is a fan. See, it doesn't it doesn't bother me. No, it doesn't bother me. But I was surprised that 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 was the choice. Of course, here's also the other thought. Like we said just a minute ago, you said, "Well, we already had a fan this year. Well, this game wasn't originally designed to come out this year." That's true, but we had, a fan, a we had a fan. We had a fan. The prior year, right? We had a fan the prior year. We had a fan the prior year as well. None of the and the, apparently this isn't branded as Kapow, or at least I didn't see it listed as a Kapow. Anywhere. I haven't heard that it was branded as Kapow, but it, that's basically how it feels to me: is that it's being treated like a Kapow title. Yeah, well, um, I guess this is just sort of the there when they do a non. I guess they're considering a non cornerstone. What I almost would think of as a boutique, given the limited run counts. Well, it gets complicated because other than, I mean, there's no limit on the premiums, just like Batman, whereas Beatles did have a limit on all the model types. Right. Because that's the, I mean, that's the other model we look at. Every fall, it seems we have one of these. We had Batman, then we had Beatles, and now we have Elvira. Uh, yeah, I think it'll come down to the, if you're into toys and you're into theme integration, uh, and you like fan layouts, I think this is probably a pretty serious contender other than, where you have to get in at the price point. And so that, but I do agree with Stern that this should not be a cornerstone because I don't think Elvira's brand is strong enough for it. I can, yeah, no, that, I think that's perfect. So I think, I think it makes sense to say, well, we're not going to do a pro and strip some stuff out. Let's just do it like that. I think that was really smart. Um, so I think it'll do pretty well. Uh, I'm not excited about it. I'd like to really hear the callouts and stuff. I'm not really excited per se to play it. I think it looks like it will play well. But I'm sure ultimately the rules will be really good because I've never, I can't think of a, like, what's the, what's a Lyman game where I don't really like the rules? 
I guess I'm not a huge fan of Metallica's rules, so I guess that. But from a competitive standpoint, those rules are great. So right. It's just so not, it's, it's 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 a like bit of a it's a bit of a wood chopper. <laughs> and that's just not my preferred style. But I do like flow games and uh fan layouts usually flow pretty well, so that's it's got that going for it. So anyway, we'll have to see. Uh I don't know yet if we're getting one. I know four or three's considering it. Right. But I don't know for sure yet. I'm I think they were waiting to because the price point's higher. I think there was um, a waiting of the local reaction to see if there, which makes sense if it was going to do well enough or not. If it was going to be worth the cash, yeah, investment. Because who knows how? Um, who knows what? The, how pricing lately? Uh, it seems on a lot of recently new games, used but really really modern games are taking more of a hit than they used to because there's so many good games coming out now that people are just like, I need the space, so I got to sell Munsters for $1,000 less. Right. To get rid of, you know, I got to get it out of here. Even though it's a perfectly decent game compared to a lot of... It's a perfectly okay game. It's a perfectly okay game, but compared to other games, people are more excited about Jurassic Park now. So it's like, you got to make room because people don't just build additions to their houses, so... So anyway, uh, so that's a pretty optimistic thing. That's the, um, the, uh, I'm freely saying I think it's a good overall looking game for what? I thought the integration looked good. Yes, yeah, the integration. It's got it, a lot of nods to the prior two of Iron the Party Monsters and Scared Stiff, which I thought was smart. Yeah. That's thing is, integration-wise, it looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like any game, until we've actually played it, until I've put my hands on it and actually played the game... I'm not really gonna know. Is it? Do I really like it or not? Yeah, but I'm probably priced out on it, even if I loved it. So, but eventually, people have to get rid of it to make room for something else. So, yeah. that, that's when I can swoop in. Mm-hmm. 2025, 2030, yeah. somewhere in there. <laughs> after the next economic collapse, when people are selling everything for pennies on the dollar. That's right. That's when you'll regret having built your entire life around toys. That's when I'll come in, come in and get you. I can buy all your toys. Uh, next item, Dutch pinball. Yes, oh, I know, I know. I we know. have another update. I have a link uh to the latest uh newsletter from Dutch pinball that I've seen in the show notes. It's hosted over with Pinball Supernova. Here, are just I'm not going to read the whole newsletter. Here are the highlights. This got touched on a bit on the on the Twip podcast as well. But I would love your opinion because you seem very grounded when it comes to discussing Dutch pinball. So I think it's helpful for people to hear that perspective. Okay. So according to the newsletter, uh, Barry stressed that they need to sell games first before they're going to be able to do a parallel of selling games and supplying early achievers or EAs with their games, just like he did with the interview with Pinball News Pinball Magazine podcast. That's what he said before. We've and already then, talked yes. about it. And then the new element in the newsletter was he was going to give the EAs an option. They had to respond fairly quickly. It was like a week or so, I believe. But here's what the option was. If you pre-ordered, if you're an EA, you could pay $12,500 like any other new buyer, but then be at the front of the line to get your smiles. So you'd be like, if you pay the 12, here's what, all right. You pay the 12,500. Do when the game is ready to ship. I need Advil. No, no Advil, no drugs. Then 
The EA buyer, when they get their game, they will also get the EA plaque that was supposed to come with their pre-ordered game. They'll also still get a rug. They'll also still get the chrome trim. In addition, because they are an EA buyer doing this option, they will get special extras. That's how it was described. They're not specified what they are at this time. And then the EA buyer is still owed their pre-ordered game, of course. So when the pre-ordered game is ready, they can either obtain it. It won't have the plaque because the plaque was sent early with the new game they bought. But they could also instead choose to get a full refund. Full refund of the old pre-order amount, like the 8500 right. not not the twelve five. Whatever amount they paid in the pre-order could be refunded instead. They didn't want a second game at that point. Right. And then that, that, you know, that game could go to someone else. All right. So what do you think of this opportunity? This was presented as a response to the criticism Barry had that when the 40 games with ARA or ARA were done, that he didn't give the right of first refusal on the purchase to the pre-orderers. And as we heard in the interview with Pinball News, Pinball Magazine, he just didn't consider that. He didn't think about it. He didn't think that the pre-orderers were dumb enough to give him another 12.5 after he already pulled 8,500 out of their wallets and just basically smacked them in the forehead with it and walked away. Well, he didn't say it quite I mean, like that. See, these... Oh, my head, my head. You're, oh, ground, my you're head. grounded, it's, remember? This you're is grounded. the kind of thing that drives me nuts because the truth of the matter is... People are going to do this. People are actually going to do this. There's no doubt in my mind that there are going to be early achievers who are actually going to do this. And there are special extras. Does that I don't, does that influence you? Is the special extra an $8500 check that just says do not cash until I say it's okay? I told you I don't know what the special extras are, Tony. They're not he doesn't know time. what the special extras I, are. I think you're probably because right. Because I think he has more faith in humanity than I do. I don't think he thinks people are dumb enough to do this, but I do. I I I think he I think he thinks people will. And the reason I think so is I think that's why the special extras were added on as this special incentive to try and sway who the most All right. Here's why I think he thinks it that, that, that there will be some that will do it. Who out of anyone, has the most vested interest in seeing new games sold, besides Barry. There are no... There's no dates. There's no realistic... I asked you who! All these people are doing is throwing good money after bad. And... Fine. I mean, it's their money. They can do whatever they want to to do with it. At the same time, I'm allowed to think whatever I want to think about it. I I do not dispute any of that. But with no timeline and no specific chart of how they're going to do things, if they do get to a point where he starts filling those games, A, I can guarantee you right now the EA... Uh, who are going to actually receive their games are going to be the ones first are going to be the ones who did not take this. Because once those ones who have the ability to complain have been taken care of, that's when he'll start giving machines to these people or refunding these people. They will instantly go to the end of the line. Which, I mean, that just makes sense. But will they start doing this refund in 10 years? Next year? 
four months from now, when they've built their first hundred machines in three months of work? I mean, it's not. I don't know. I, mean, I, I I'm just, I'm flabbergasted that this is a thing in pinball. I'm, I would be, I've played so many other games and then so many other hobbies and done so much other stuff where something like this, what happens is the people you screwed come walking out with axes and pitchforks and torches. But for some reason in pinball, they hit their knees so fast that they risk shattering their kneecaps and bowing to you and thanking you and telling you how great it is and how wonderful you are and how much of a success you're going to be is... Oh, God. We're family friendly. I can't keep talking like this. It's insane. People are going to do it. What can you do? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I can't believe people would even consider giving this guy money. I honestly have a hard time believing any machines, those 40 that were pre-built, I can understand them going as fast as they did for the price point they did. And I can understand the reasoning behind people thinking of it. These hand-built machines by Barry and a couple buddies and family members who loaned him money so he, so he doesn't completely fail out and can still try and hold his dream as they hand-build the machines. I don't know. I don't know. But I know every other hobby I've ever been involved with, there'd be, there's no way it'd be going like this. It's insane. It's different. I will. I'll say that much. Yeah. I, there, I agree. There are probably some that have, have taken, taken advantage of this. If the, they didn't have to send the money until the game is ready. They're not immediately out anything. So it's not like another pre-order. So I could see that. But do you think it will be? Yeah. Well, here's the, I mean, I still fall back on what we talked about in the prior episode, which is I do not believe that this game holds at 12,500 for very long if they're actually starting to hand build games. Mm-hmm. I think that the price goes down pretty quickly. When I was on, this weekend pinball podcast, I believe Zach, the host, mentioned that he thought that they easily could sell a hundred games at twelve thousand five hundred, and I don't think so. I think you could have easily sold a hundred at twelve five if Ara had had a hundred at twelve five. But a hundred games on top of the forty that yeah. already went out, yeah, a hundred hand built in, in Mama's basement yeah. games. Because remember, the plan is four hundred to five hundred total games to make the EA's whole. So we're talking something like on the order of selling three hundred ish games at twelve five to help all the EAs out. But you see where the psychology for this offer, including with the little added incentive of these special extras, exists by targeting the EAs. They are the ones that most want, aside from Barry, that's the answer to the question you wouldn't answer, is the pre-orders are the ones that want him to succeed the most because they want the game they paid for. And so this plays, in my view, this plays off of that emotion and says, you can help us. You can help us succeed if you buy another game. You can help us succeed. It's not... Just give us an extra $4,000 and you'll get your machine. It's give us an extra $12,500 and eventually, someday, once we've sold enough machines, I'll give you your money back 
that you gave me originally. So you're only out an extra $4,000 instead of being out an extra 8,500 or, or instead of just being out your Well, you can still take the second game. Or you can take the second game. So you game. can have two games. Right, right. And then you can turn around and sell that one yourself for 12,500, right? Cause that's how that's going to work. It's not. Here's a, even if every EA buyer bought a machine, if every EA, if every single one of the early achievers walked up and they bought a machine, because there's like 150 of them, something like yeah, that. Yeah, 135 or so. Yeah, something like that. That still wouldn't be enough people having bought machines to have built enough machines to make them whole. They'd have to have double that, mm-hmm. at yeah. least, people who buy the machines to, make, to, to turn around and make those people whole again. So these people run the risk of... We all bought the machines. Where's the stuff? Nobody else is buying machines. So sorry, we never got up to the point where we could start reimbursing the EA guys. But thanks for the extra $12,500 on top of the original 8500 you gave me to try and make my dream come true. And that I just screwed it and just kept screwing it all. God, you guys are beautiful. Jesus. I don't even, I don't know. Okay. I might be jaded and cynical. No, surely not. But we can we can move on from Dutch because that's probably enough uh, enough commenting on that. Uh, Pinball Edu, the charity, have an update. Oh, good! I'm glad we're going yeah, to well, good. This is cool. This feels okay. nice. All right. Uh, this is all good. Simmer down now. This turned out nice. Simmer right? down it's now. Wonderful. Simmer it's good. Down it's now. proven that all the stuff was wrong, and that and that this is a wonderful thing for the children. Simmer down now. You're not reassuring me that this is a wonderful thing for the children, Dennis. If you've seen my notes, you probably could tell by the size of them that it's not exact. It's let's call it neutral. It's neutral. It's not about the children. It's about what's right, what's proper. Let's put it that way. All right. Let me do a recap because it has been quite a while since we've discussed that. We haven't talked about this since June, early June. For those that do not remember. Uh, Pinball EDU is a charity. They originally, I, I, my understanding was there was a big focus of, of using pinball therapeutically with children, particularly autism spectrum was my understanding. They have a facility, uh, at some point, at some place, I think in Virginia or in Maryland. They're based in Maryland. Right. But I'm not quite sure the, I don't remember the exact location. location. All right. So they have a place now which, has been criticized as seeming more like a bar than a place of therapy. Um, hey, alcohol's therapeutic. Well, <laughs> <laughs> after the Dutch pinball update, yeah, probably. But um, so anyway, this there was a big blow up about them and their status as a charity and what they were doing. This all really happened on Dead Flip's Facebook page. It was actually a, a sticky thread for quite a while because Jack Danger brought it up and said, you know, he had concerns and there was a lot of discussion. I think there was somewhere on the order of over 150 comments on that thread. Uh, and the operator of the charity, his name's Joe. He did go into the thread, uh, relatively early on, I think within a week. And he did respond to a lot of the criticism that was being levied. Uh, one portion of that response read, and I quote, quote, Maryland is currently updating our profile to reflect recent filings and that we're in good standing with the state, end quote. And remember, this was posted back in early June 
2019. Okay. All right. So it's been a quarter, it's been over a quarter of a year now. Right. All right. So even government moves fast. Sure. Well, that. so in deference to what Joe claimed, I've waited until now, until this last week. And so here, towards the end of September 2019, I went to Maryland and I checked in their online database. I did a business entity search. Mm-hmm. I have links in the show notes to the two iterations of Pinball EDU that are in that system. There's one called Pinball EDU Incorporated, and there's one called Pinball EDU Charity Incorporated. I don't understand exactly which what the differences are, other than I'm assuming one is a for-profit arm and one is the charitable arm, but... Makes sense. Regardless, both of those in the database are listed as not in good standing. The one that's called the charity organization says that they lack their 2018 and 2019 annual reports, that those are still due to Maryland. Mm -hmm. And the non-charity iteration says it's lacking the 2019 annual report. So. Because Joe indicated in the past that Maryland was wrong, that their database was wrong, that it wasn't updated. Remember my, my quote above referenced that, that they needed to reflect the recent filings. I wrote to the Maryland State Department of Assessments and Taxation, and I asked them if their database was not updated and what the status was of Pinball EDU Charity Incorporated. I did not ask about the other entity. I only asked about the one, right. the one that's missing the, the two reports. And they wrote back to me fairly quickly and they said, quote, the referenced business is active and not in good standing. They also further replied, quote, they are in danger of losing their charter to do business and they have not filed required reports, end quote. They also noted that from their department's perspective, which I think it's like called SDAT, Assessment and Taxation, mm-hmm. they, that issue doesn't prohibit an entity from doing business. So, but different departments have different stances because I had asked about the charity aspects because there's a charity solicitation act and such, but that's administered by a different division, I believe, within the Secretary of State's office. Okay. So they were, I didn't put in the quote there because they were basically saying, we, this is the only part of this not in good standing we care about as our department, but there are other departments that care about and interpret that differently than us. So given that, that's the update that I have. Maryland says they still don't have the reports and that it's not just that the database wasn't updated. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I had some people reach out to me uh, and I was lightly involved in the discussion on the Facebook page. Of course, we've talked about Pinball EDU uh, off and on for a while now because of their involvement with Pinball Done Quick and how that kind of fell apart and was a, a bit of a mess. And... Uh, you know, there were some people that felt and still feel, I'm sure, that Joe does very good work and that Pinball EDU does very good work. And I do remember one person, oh, I will not name, they they wouldn't want me to, who did say that they felt that Joe wasn't given a chance. I feel I have given a chance and that a quarter of a year to get the reports in was reasonable. And I have now vetted this claim that it was Maryland's fault. They're saying that their system's right. So... Who am I supposed to believe? The state of Maryland or the charity that doesn't show any of these reports anywhere? I don't know. But that's my update on it because I don't forget. And I've given some time. And so I've looked back at this and I still have concerns. So I'm talking about them. 
completely understandable because that's all. It's a concerning thing. Let's end on some happy news. Oh, is there happy news? There in here? is. There's a Ghostbusters code update. I don't know if it's actually been pushed out publicly yet or not. It wasn't at the time of the reveal. They were still fixing some bugs and stuff, mm-hmm. but. This uh, was a huge code update to have a reveal huge, and not just be, oh, hey, huge, new code. huge, huge, huge. So, uh, the update was unveiled on Deadflip. I have a link in the show notes to the YouTube recording of the video so people can go and watch it. I haven't been able to, I caught a little bit of that. That was, you know, remember it was Monday, so I was playing Overwatch. So I couldn't really focus because I was busy trying to remember my Bastion skins that I didn't even know were coming out yet. So given that, um, uh, I have posted, we're going to walk through some of it. And it's not all of the updates that were noted, but here there's someone whose handle is bonus Lord on tilt forums posted a list of the highlights from that reveal. And I have a link in the show notes to bonus lords post so anyone wants to go and read the full list this is just a few of them but i very much appreciate that he wrote it up yeah so now i will exploit that and now after giving him credit start walking through a lot of these (laughs) items that he noted here are just some of the changes in this code update the video mode skill shot has been replaced with collect 10 ghosts okay Hitting the left captive ball twice now lights a single storage facility ball lock instead of lighting all three. So you have to chip away at that. You're going to have to do a little little wood. Lupin Supers no longer stacks with anything. So I guess it's an out-of-the-mode thing. Uh, The PKE frenzy scoring has been nerfed. So I guess it was a pretty lucrative. I don't know. I don't think I ever really did a lot with PKE scoring. Um, switching your flippers during mass hysteria now increases the jackpot value each time. Interesting. We're ready to believe you, that mode. It's totally been reworked. It's a multi-ball where you have to collect, uh, the 100 ghosts on a time limit. Yeah. Is that mode. Uh, are you a god wizard mode now starts if you complete, we're ready to believe you. You can collect a top lane skill shot and the lower playfield skill shot now. That's cool. That's yeah, because it was always like, who, which one do you want? Yeah, well, because I'd always, I'd always aim for a specific top lane, mm-hmm. and then I would pick the bottom lane that I was most likely to get if I missed the top lane by going too hard. Right. I would either pick the far left top lane skill shot, mm-hmm. and then pick a like right ramp shot if I over plunged. Right. For the lower, or I'd pick the far right top lane shot and a left ramp if I underplunged going for that. And the reason was generally I was trying to over or under because the lower playfield options that I would choose were to start a scene. So I right. didn't have to chip away at Slimer. Yes. And I, like, that was my typical. And so, and so it was, oh, okay. I accidentally plunged a little too, too hard or a little too soft for whichever one I was going for. I'll, t- I'll get the top lane skill shot and then do the chip away, but at least I got something. Right. Otherwise, I really wanted to be down low and try to start a scene. Now you can do both. No, no. Why not both? Why not both? Um, you can light now a playfield multiplier at any time by comboing the left ramp into the gear targets or the left captive ball. That's cool. Uh, stay puffed. I don't think I ever got into stay puffed. Uh, scoring has been nerfed a little bit and you can no longer loop the left ramp over and over during phase two and keep getting points. There was another one. I don't think I, I put it in the list. There was another nerf where you couldn't just keep exploiting the same shot over and over for points. So there was the a main, lot of cleanup on that. Yeah. Mover. 
move around a little yep, bit. Yep, you gotta do combos uh, that aren't the same shot. Uh, mode shots can now be spotted in some cases by hitting the ghost target. So the ghost target, which I think is what normally we'd bring down Slimer to then start a scene. Right. Now apparently it can sometimes spot you a shot in modes, mm. which is interesting use of it. Uh, add a ball. It's no longer going to be lit at the beginning of any multi-ball. So I guess you have to earn it instead of just being like, oh, yeah, now let's just start the add a ball right away. Add a ball. Add a ball. Uh, building the super jackpot value uh, can be done at any time via the spinner shot. So now you have a reason to rip the spinner. Uh, drain- you need a reason to rip the spinner. Yeah, I mean, depends. Really? It depends if you're trying to win. Uh, draining during a mode that isn't the end of a ladder. Because, you know, the, the software has like three ladders, or it did, where you try and, you're moving up the ladder of the modes. Now, if you drain during a mode, but it isn't the end of the ladder, it now completes that mode. So, and the m- modes will now be lit once you have the next ball. Okay. Kind of reminds me of, um, like, if you are low enough on, like, if you, if you finish the timeout on Star Trek, for example, Stern Star Trek, and you drain, it goes ahead and acts like you hit the mission shot, and then you just pick your next mission right. once you have your new ball. But you still feel the shame, of course. Shame. The shame of it. Uh, super jackpot value is now, ma- will max out at, uh, 30 million points and it resets to 5 million points at the beginning of every ball. So, so, overall, it feels so if you're like, building it up, yeah, you need to, you need to collect on the same ball. Overall, it feels like we're going to see a very different, uh, average point on the game. Yeah. I'm really curious about goals. like, is the, is the balance different? Like, is it still a big deal to break a billion on Ghostbusters or? Like, what's the app? I mean, when we had Bo- Ghostbusters on location in tournament play, it was all over the place, but it was yeah. not uncommon, even with good players, to sk- see scores under 50 million. Right. In fact, it wasn't unusual to see scores under 15 million. Yeah. Um, just depending on how that, uh, that unless somebody that blew center. something up. Right, right. Well, depending yeah. on, on how, you know, did you get center drained or whatever. So I don't know if we're going to see it again on location or not in the area or anything. I oh. haven't. Because we haven't had a Ghostbusters since the, to my knowledge, since the 403 clubs left. Right. That's um, been a while. And it stayed over a year. It was there a long yeah, time. Yeah, it was. So, well, we'll see. Um, I, we do know, uh, Todd with Big Daddy Enterprises, he owns a Ghostbusters. So we may get an opportunity to play the software, uh, with him at some point. Uh, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head that I know has Ghostbusters in the area, but yeah, it'd be interesting. I wouldn't mind getting a Ghostbusters uh, Pro if I could find one at a decent value, but it's not a priority for me. Right. I mean, it was fun. I, I enjoyed the game, but it is not, like you said, it's not something yeah. that is. I played it so much when we had it at Nubs Pub and 403 Club that I, I felt like I, I got a good value out yeah. of it. So that's why, in part, I haven't had a compulsion to try and own it. But that's it for pinball. So you see, that was not a nice that thing. Was, that, that wasn't bad. That was so that was a video games. Video games. Are you going to start with something happy? No. Well, actually, it could be depending upon how it turns out. Because once again, it involves a court case. Dun 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 dun. Chung chung. Uh, French courts have slapped down Valve uh, over. What's interesting is the right to sell games you own on Steam. Okay. 
Because to my knowledge, you can't. You can't. You could sell your whole profile, I suppose. Right. And then all right. the games would transfer According with it. According to the French courts, uh, there was, there was a French consumer group that, uh, sued Valve in 2015 for, uh, several consumer issues. And, uh, the big one was that the court ruled that Steam must be allowed, must allow users to resell, be able to resell their games. Uh, they ruled that Steam must reimburse money in a user's Steam wallet if they request it, because that's never been possible. Once you bought a, put money in your Steam wallet, or like got like a Steam wallet, or the Steam card and put money in there, there was no way to get it back. Even if you canceled your account and shut it down, oh, they wouldn't okay. reimburse you. So this is actually, it wasn't like uh, saying, oh, I don't want this game anymore. This is you put money in the wallet and being able to get that money back out of the wallet. Right. As money. Right. Because okay. you never used to be able to do that. Once okay. it was in, it was there. Interesting. I mean, you could, if you had $5 in there and you're like, well, I'm, I'm leaving the Steam ecosystem. I'm never using Steam again. They're like, okay, thanks for the $5. Okay. But now they ruled that they have to do it. Uh, they ruled that, uh, Valve must accept responsibility when a user says an item on Steam caused them harm, even if it was an item that is in beta. So they have to, they what, bear responsibility. What does caused harm mean? Is this like I've not like physical it. harm? Like if uh, someone's beta code uh, overclocked the GPU and burned out the video card to harm? Or are we talking like I've not psychological found a good harm? explanation of that? Okay. When I I, re- I went through several articles, and I never found a real good explanation of exactly what they're talking about there. Or if it's like, man, I got this game and I'm just it just screwed my mind so bad I can't even. Um, their rights to user mods and community content, uh, Valve's rights to it are going to be diminished. Because that's one thing with Valve's mods thing is you can make a mod and you can put it on there, but Valve has rights over your mods. Like ownership or what? Uh, about like allowances and stuff. Okay. And, hmm. uh, and they, Valve has, the Valve claims certain amounts of rights over community content put on the Steam. Okay. And, and uh, this so now is they going get to, to be paired this. back, okay. yes. And um, they also are going to be forced to clarify the conditions under which users can lose access to Steam for bad behavior. Are those not clear right now? Apparently not. Huh. Interesting. Uh, Valve has already stated that they are appealing, so okay. nothing's going to come of this anytime soon. But what's interesting is because this is French courts, uh, if Valve loses this appeal... And everything stands up, it's going to apply across the EU, which is a huge market for Valve. So the thinking, my thinking would be, if that's the case, it would probably apply across Valve entirely because they'll just implement it straight up across have, the board. Yeah, they pretty much have to. Uh, so Murricans can benefit. Yeah. Thank you, mm. EU. We'll see what happens. It's I yeah, said, no, ah, no. From a consumer perspective, I don't see a reason to not right. like any of these uh, court decisions. Right? No, they're they're all perfectly good because that was now. That's the one thing is we know that there's an appeal coming and it is coming very fast because uh, if Valve refuses to change its rules and post the court's decision or and post the court's decision to steam within a month of the decision so they ha- they're going to have to change their rules and post all the information onto steam within a month of the decision they will have to pay a fine of 3000 euros per day for every day that that doesn't happen up to 6 months so 
Yeah, Valve's going to appeal that. And it's going to, and the, and the appeal is going to go in real fast. So we'll see what happens, uh, when it finally works its way through the system. 3,000 euros a day for six months. Hmm. There's no way Valve is going to do anything that's going to risk that. What are we looking at? Six months. Just roughly half million plus. Yeah, I don't, I don't know EU law. I don't really know any law. Um, so I don't know if their appeal process is different than ours, where essentially in an appeal, it has to be about the judges getting some process matter wrong. It's not about usually relitigating the, you don't get to relitigate the case to the appeals. Court. Right. So it's usually about a complaint that there was a, a flaw in the decision making. So the reason I mention that is in the U.S., winning your appeal is low percentage because right. usually the appeals courts agree that the judges beneath them have done the, the right job because they do it so much that they know what they're doing. But. See, and that's what's interesting to me is from from the articles I read, Valve didn't argue the way I would the court the case the way I would have thought they argued it. Specifically they argued they used their defense was that Steam is a subscription service. Okay. Which is an interest that because that, that would put it under the same kind of protections that like Netflix, Amazon Prime, Hulu, the forty bajillion other companies that are popping up doing subscription streaming services provide now. Okay. And because I know they've got certain levels of protection built in. All right. So, but we don't pay a subscription fee. Exactly. And I think that was the probably one of the big sticking points. So, we'll see what happens with that one. The next bit of video game news is just a little touch up. Uh, the Switch Lite that we talked about, I don't know, a couple months ago, mm-hmm. uh, has finally come out. And overall, the reviews for it are very decent as a machine. Okay. That's uh, good. A lot of people are very happy with its portability. And between the, because of the size difference between it, is it and the original Switch and everything, I've seen nothing but good reviews about it overall. Where the issue comes into is Nintendo's terrible ecosystem. That's the problem because people want to have the ability to run and merge and maintain their account on several devices. Like I've, I, I like being able to sit down with my Kindle and read a book and then pick up my, if I'm out somewhere, I've got my phone with me, but not my Kindle. I can pick up the book and it will automatically start me right where I was reading. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, stuff like that is great. Nintendo has no ecosystem like that that works at all. Um, if you have, like, if you digitally buy a game from Nintendo, so you do a digital download and it will work on the machine you initially digital downloaded it on and you can put it on another one. But if it's like a secondary machine, it's going to be basically required to be in continuous contact with the server. So if you have it, if you primary it on your regular switch, it's not going to work on your switch light if you don't have an internet connection. Mm. So some people have been primarying all the stuff on a Switch Lite that because more likely than not, their Switches are just sitting at home in the docks. Right. But then that brings up the other issue, 
the, the saves don't flow between the games at all. You basically have to hard copy the saves. Oh, they don't cloud, they don't cloud store them. Oh, no, they cloud store, but the cloud stores don't talk between switches. And there's currently no way to make them talk between switches without actually going through your, uh, uh, going into the UI, going through your settings, and manually backing up each save that you want from each game that you want. So if you've got a game where you have 15 saves, you'd have to manually back up all 15 of those saves through manual controls to the cloud, then manually bring it, get your Switch Lite, and re-download all those saves manually from the cloud to make them available on your Switch Lite. Because Nintendo's online ecosystem is crap. Wow. That, like last gen stuff, so I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't familiar with the PS3. Uh, the 360, I don't even think was that grueling. If you just had to tell the account to move the saves to the cloud and then you'd be done if you wanted to mm-hmm. try it for backwards compatibility play. Right. And of course, at the start of this generation, I believe both systems have just started, all the saves are just in the cloud and they share. So you can sign in on foreign devices and be able to access your stuff at will. Yeah, so and no, it's not. I didn't. I didn't construe it as hard. Yeah, from everything, point. from everything I've seen right now, I don't know. I'm hoping Nintendo is going to fix it. But like, if I was playing, if I was playing Zelda on my Switch, and then I was out and I wanted to play Zelda, Zelda on my Switch Lite. The save that it would load up on my Switch Lite would have been my last Switch Lite save, not the last one that I just walked away from playing it sitting on my couch. Unless I went through to make sure that I had that save moved. I would have to do it myself. Move it to make sure it's there. Hmm. Nintendo's always had, uh, had an ecosystem problem when it comes to online stuff. Okay, because well. they, they haven't embraced it the way Xbox or, or, or Sony has. Well, that doesn't give me confidence that they're going to fix it now either. I know. We'll see what happens. I'm because it just brings up how many people is this going to affect? How many people are going to be running wanting multiple switches? How many people want a switch that is designed to that just sets in the dock all the time, and then a switch you take with you places? I don't know. Interesting to see going forward. Okay, jump to tabletop. Because we've right. done it in a long time. It's tabletop time. It's tabletop time. Da, 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 da. All right. We're going to start with something that was sent uh, to us on Facebook from Jake Danzig. Uh, and I'd seen it also. And it just cracks me up. There was a truck in Atlanta that had three pallets of Chessex six-sided dice. All of my dice are from Chessex mm. because I like their dice and they make, they make them cool colors, but they lost the load, which means there were 216,000 D6 spread across the highway in Atlanta. Mm. That's a lot of modifiers when you have to throw that many. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just a decent game of old school Shadowrun. I mean, that's pretty, that's not too bad for Shadowrun. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen some, I, I've, I've watched. Yeah, I saw some, the photos of it. Yeah. I've watched some friends play for, playing 40K and doing dice rolls where they've got literally 20 dice in their hands and they roll the 20 dice 
and they get all the numbers and then they roll all 20 <laughs> dice again and they get the numbers because they they had to do they had to roll 40d6 i've seen it it's oh, hilarious wow. and when you got start working in exploding dice if you're working a game system where you know if you get a 6 you you roll it again you keep the 6 but your 6 is roll again mm. so you get yet another <laughs> according to the uh uh company that the dice was heading to, uh, the average roll on two six-sided dice is about seven. And with 216,000 dice rolled, they estimated the total at 756,000. Mm. I'll be 100% honest. I've had days playing where I would have been lucky to get 300,000 on 216,000 dice. <laughs> 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 it's too bad someone didn't go out there and like photograph and record what they all said and actually tell us what it came out to. If you look if if you look at the Kotaku, the pictures on the Kotaku thing, it said that you were with shovels, just scooping shovelfuls of D six mm. up off the ground is yeah. hilarious. Yeah. And there's a link in the show notes for people yeah. so they can read that. And my last little bit I want to touch on tabletop today is I am now researching re entering tabletop wargame. Dun dun dun. Uh, some people who have seen, who are friends with me on Facebook would have seen it, but I put out a thing last night asking about 40k kill team. Uh, I played War Machine, which was, which is, uh, 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 steampunk magic, uh, skirmish game. Uh, unlike the larger games that you see from Warhammer 40k. Because I like the smaller format and it was much more affordable than getting a full up 40k army ever would be. And I played a lot of it for years and years and years and I have a massive collection, but it's really died in our area. Mm. And there's a new edition out. I don't have any of the stuff for that edition, but I was debating, do I get the third edition stuff? Do I get everything to convert so my, I can play in third edition? Except for there's not a whole lot of play going on. And when I was doing some other research and especially looking up a bunch of 40k stuff, because I've been rereading, uh, several 40k novels, uh, lately, um, I came across Warhammer 40k Kill Team. 40k Kill Team is a smaller version of Warhammer 40k. It's got slightly different rules, but it's centered on a group of it's a skirmish game centered on a group of models up to 20 models total okay as opposed to we're with with especially with the 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 army i would roll in 40k uh 20 models would be like one of my seven or eight units so it's a much smaller footprint which means it's more affordable Mm -hmm. and (laughs) easier to paint so I'm, I'm, I'm actively looking into it and I've started researching it and talking to some people I know. Uh, as, and it led me to finding out that there's actually a Warhammer store in Lawrence. Really? So I ran the, so I, I, I was running the numbers with Google Maps last night and my, my old store that I used to play, uh, War Machine at, uh, 31st Century Games here in Olathe, uh, closed like a month ago, permanently. Oh, okay. Yeah, they closed their doors full up a month ago. Uh, I've only been there a couple times since ownership had changed 
several years. Yeah, I'd ago. heard ownership had changed and the type of games being played there had shifted with that ownership yeah. change. Yeah, and it did. And it wasn't, and I hadn't been playing War Machine in, in years since then because, you know, work and life and family and everything got, had gotten in the way. And, and the group who played War Machine stopped playing War Machine. Most of them started playing 40K or, or Warhammer Fantasy. So most of that went away. So that I didn't have anyone to play. And I just kind of drifted away from it, so I'm moving back in. But now there are three shops, of which there's the one the one that I go to the most often is Tabletop Games and Hobbies. It's about 30 minutes from my house. There's another one I've never been to. It's called The Geekery, which is also 30 minutes from my house. And there's a couple, I think three others in the Kansas City area that are all slightly farther away. There's one up in Zona Rosa, and there's a couple up... Uh, and there's one in Lee Summit. I've been to it several times. It's nice, but it's Lee Summit. That's 45 minutes away. Yeah. Uh, but now there's one in Lawrence, and it's a war. It's an official Games Workshop Warhammer store, which means everything they have is just Games Workshop stuff. But Lawrence is about 30 minutes away, so I have I have three good options within a half hour drive up to if I start actually playing a game and being able to find groups and get into some tournament play. So I can't afford to get into War Machine itself, or, or, or I mean Warhammer itself, uh, but I'm giving a good look into Kill Team. Also, they just released, like this month, uh, Warhammer did, what amounts to their their version of the X-Wing Miniatures game, except for with, with Warhammer stuff. I'm not going to get into that either, but I think it's interesting that since the X-Wing Miniatures game has come out, how many games have basically taken their general rule set and their general move set and picked them up. I mean, there's now, there, there, there was that. There's a Star Trek one. Uh, there's several ones that use the same set, but for historical, you know, like World War One or World War Two aircraft and so it's it's spreading out. We'll see how popular things get, but no, I'm I'm looking into getting back into doing some tabletop wargaming. Hmm. Something to get me out that's more than just going to pinball a couple times a month, and will actually, unlike pinball, give me stuff that I can do at home as I paint and base and do right. models and stuff. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, interesting, interesting. I guess that's it. We finished our episode. It was a beautiful episode. It was. We didn't play any 20 questions because I didn't feel like it. My blood yeah. pressure is down from the pinball segment already. Yeah. Well, this I'm was all nice now. and kind. I'm, I'm grounded. The, t- the tabletop stuff was all optimistic. Spilled dice is optimistic. That so. was so. That was just hilarious. So that, so that yeah. worked out. I mean, that, that's like I, uh, I saw somebody posted a picture on Facebook a couple weeks ago where a truck had tipped over. And the truck was full of nothing but ramen, and and, and and the thing is like ramen truck crashes, company out forty five cents. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, so mean. Uh, well, for those uh, who want to reach out to us, uh, reach out to Tony to suggest um, thoughts on Warhammer War Machine. War what what what's this new one phrasing called? Kill Team. Yes, War, War, Warhammer 40k Kill Team. Kill Team. So it's a sub. Yes. Right. So if you have thoughts on that, because I know all of you listening are big Kill Team players, feel free to write in eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com. 
You can also reach out to us via Facebook at facebook.com slash Eclectic Gamers Podcast. We're available on Twitch and Instagram and Twitter as Eclectic underscore Gamers. Yep. And that's pretty much it. We'll be back in about two weeks, two weeks in a day, probably. Yeah. Because we'll probably be back on Sunday in a couple weeks. You'll be back from Chicago. Chicago. And I'll put a post up at least Monday night, if not before, uh, about a, the timing I'm going to be at Logan. To be fair, most people aren't going to hear this until after I've already been to Logan and gone. But Yeah, well, that's their own fault. Yeah. I'll, if probably, you manage get, I'll to, probably get this out. Tonight. If you manage to listen to, if you're A, you're still listening to this, and B, you've managed to listen to this before Monday night, and, and you see the fat guy in an eclectic gamer shirt, that's me. Come say hi. Yeah. So go say hi to I Tony. I guess it's entirely possible there's another fat guy in an eclectic gamer shirt, but I, I, I specifically am packing an EGP shirt just to wear to Logan that night. Oh. They might want your autograph, so you may want Nobody to bring a Sharpie. Them. I won't know. You may want to Nobody bring a wants. permanent marker just to be ready. <laughs> just like, You don't carry just three ready for whenever that happens? I'll be 100% honest. I normally carry one mm. while I'm working. That's right. Because you only, only ask, only bug him if he's working. That's the secret, folks. <laughs> That's when he wants you to come up and go, are you the Tony? How did you get through security? Who lets you in here? And then he'll go, yes, yes, I am. All right, Sign that's it. Sign my butt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but signings are an option. He may, he may charge for that, but, but it's always an option. All right, we're done. Goodbye. Bye.